COPcast, 12 Days of COP. I'm presenter and journalist Peg Alexander, and in partnership with academic think tank, the Green Economics Institute, each day during COP26 in Glasgow, I'm having chats with people from around the world, looking at the big topics we need to get a grip of if we're to hit the Paris Agreement. We're going to cover a broad range of subjects. The chats are going to be short, informal, and hopefully inspiring and informative. And you never know, we might even manage some laughs along the way. I started working and campaigning on climate issues in 1989. Gosh, such a long time ago. Now the world has woken up to the fact that we don't have any time left. But are world leaders ready to accept that it's no more business as usual? Today we're talking transport. We haven't talked about transport at all on this podcast yet, so love neck, it's about time that we did. I've got Richard Walker with me, he's from an organisation called Decarbonate, you're also an academic Richard, so, um, yeah. so, so tell us about Decarbonate and about some of the work that you're doing specifically around helping local areas work out and think about what the emissions are from their transport and therefore what solutions there might be to lower them. Yeah, so uh, so Decarbonate is a, it's a three-year project and it's funded by, uh, it, it, it's it's looking into how do we decarbonise transport in the north of England. So it's, it's, it's we call it place-based decarbonisation for transport and, that, and what that means is uh, you know, in our, in our individual communities, but also as a region, as the North of England, is there anything we can do to put get decarbonisation going uh, where, where it's not happening at the moment? And the N8 of decarbonate stands for the N8 Group of Research Universities, which is uh, the Northern Eight. So, you're based at Leeds University. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's run out of the Institute of Transport Studies at Leeds University, um, and we. Um, Newcastle's doing hydrogen lorries, um, uh, Lancaster's doing societal readiness at the sociology department there, and, uh, and ITS at Leeds is doing transport demand, so how we live our lives, how that creates the demand and what can, what can we do to live our lives differently you know, and get different tran- transport behaviours, different transport demand patterns. So um, we're in the cafe at the moment at COP, you've got a big event I know coming up um, here at COP. Where do you feel COP is in terms of discussing transport at the moment? Is it on the agenda? Are people? Ooh, that's a good question. It? Yeah. So, so the, the so the um, so, so the big push at COP, which I think is right, is to say um, it's game over for cars with petrol and diesel engines, and we've got to move to electric vehicles. Um, if you go out, so I've just come in from the green zone, there's a Leeds connection, so there's um, electric and hydrogen lorries are parked outside here, demonstration, and there's a, an all-electric double-decker bus which is built by Optair of Leeds, and Optair have changed their name, and they're now called Switch Mobility, and they, they told me, the guy told me they've built their last diesel bus, they're going to build, build electric buses from now on. So, um, so, so, COP is about getting the message across the world that uh, you know that zero emission vehicles is the way to go and they're also I think I believe in the blue zone they're trying to um, there's been a massive problem over the years of aviation emissions and shipping emissions haven't been counted because they didn't belong to any individual country yeah. 
So they're trying to get that uh, into the frame as well, and, and alternative fuels for shipping and aviation. Um, where we, our message from decarbonate is, we've got to electrify, you know, we've got to get rid of all petrol and diesel cars and go to electric vehicles. But that's a process that's going to take 10 to 15 years, even to get, you know, to, to, to make a big dent on it. I mean, we don't is, have that yeah. amount of time. No, we don't. So what, what, where we're coming from in decarbonate is to say, we've got to do that, but we've also got to reduce our use of uh, fossil fuel vehicles during the 2020s. And because... Um, do we not have to reduce our use of all vehicles anyway? Because... The one thing that worries me is that everybody seems to think, oh, it'll be all right when we're all in electric cars. We've still got to make the electricity. Yes. We're still going to use so the resources. Do, our, we, not, do um, we not have to reduce the, me the amount we travel? Yeah, what, we, what we'd like to get across is we need to reduce the number of vehicles there are in society. Mm. So I think... Uh, <laughs> I, I'm, if I give the wrong number here, you'll correct me, but there's, the vehicle fleet in the country is, say, 24 million petrol and diesel yeah. cars, right? Now we can't replace those with 24 million electric vehicles. Yeah. So what we're interested in is um, your, your average existing car spends about 90 to 95% of its time not moving. Yeah. And it, some people don't move their car on a given day of the week, they don't move it at all. So neighbourhoods could get together and our villages or urban neighbourhoods could, could have a much smaller car fleet and, and share it and, and that would then then you uh, get to the stage where the electric cars one travel option um, uh, alongside a load of others yeah. like getting an electric bus or riding an electric bicycle and that's what this model that you've been developing allows local areas to do doesn't it, yeah. it allows it to look at what is the what is the carbon footprint so, so we've of a got a area. we're here I, I'm specifically here um, to promote something called a place-based carbon calculator um, it's very easy to look up online it's it's called it's www.carbon.place um, it's produced by a colleague of mine at ITS uh, Malcolm Morgan and what it basically does is the first time that the um, the average carbon footprint of uh, households has ever been shown visually and an easy to use uh, uh, online tool it's the first time it's ever been shown at the level of the neighborhood or the village so it's what we call the census lower super output area it's about between 1500 and 3000 people each one and what that allows you to do then it will allow communities to do exactly what you were saying to go yeah. our output's too big we need to make some changes i mean one of the things that it's interesting you were telling me that you compare <coughs> even in a single city a wealthy area compared yeah. to an area of deprivation it can be five, six times maybe. Yeah, the, no, the that's right. It's, it's it, yeah, and, and across, I mean, for, for say home heating, you'd have a factor of two or two and a half. Yeah. So big people with bigger houses or badly insulated houses have a bigger carbon footprint than people with yeah. smaller houses. But in transport, the carbon footprint from car use is, um, it surprised me that it was a factor of five, and, and compared to the say for example taking Leeds as a case in point eight times the, the highest emitting LSOA in Leeds is eight times the level of the lowest yes yeah, so it's, it's massive isn't it so what, what why and of course they're the people who have probably got the most resources to be able to that's actually right, yeah. do things like buy electric cars so, or whatever so what we're discussing tomorrow is we, we, we've got um, Andy Boyle from Leeds Climate Commission 
and we've got uh, people from uh, Edinburgh and Glasgow Climate Commissions uh, in Scotland and we're going to ask if we went into communities uh, to a public meeting in a, a parish meeting or a, a neighbourhood council meeting could we um, get people to say right how can we solve, solve uh, transport problems collectively and then hopefully uh, we could track how they do and see you know come back two years later and say well you said you were going to do this reduce your carbon footprint let's see how you did yeah brilliant idea so um, and it's just a dream at the what moment what's that web address again okay so it's carbon.place carbon.place and what and, it all it shows at the moment is what your footprint was in 2018 yeah but there's been a lot of changes because of covid um all the data for 2020 is going to be really weird because uh, uh, people yeah. did a lot less mileage um, yeah. but we'll, we'll we'll wait and see but what we'd like to do is we're trying to say let's take some action in the 2020s mm. and make 2022 a really big year for yeah, really. people great doing project. transport differently great project and just as well while I'm on it carbonate is uh, sorry decarbonate is decarbon n8 the number .org .uk. Yes. so um I mean, it's really interesting what you're saying because um, one of the things that I'm talking a lot about in this podcast is individual action versus system change. It's really interesting that car thing. We know um, we know that there's been a number of planning decisions recently where planning permission hasn't been granted because there's not enough car spaces yep. built in on planning permission. So it's not just about individuals going, right, I'm going to get an electric car. Councils, other people have got to start seriously. Start, you know. I mean, you know, in 2021, the idea that a scheme that actually deliberately reduced car places because it wanted yeah. to encourage sharing does not get planning permission. It, it, it's just, you know, it's wrong. So there's a lot of people have got. So to, our, our message is: Can we move on from the, the the ownership model where every household has to have their own car or yeah, their own car? And of course, we've got to reform the insurance system in order to do that. But that's bigger questions than us. <laughs> I, I, this, I'm, I'm moving us on because we're running yeah, out no, of time. And um, I mean, this podcast, I'm talking to people from all over the world, right? Yeah. So deliberately kept it big. I'm going to now bring it back down to the local. So apologies to anyone who doesn't live in Leeds, but I've got to talk because we're talking about transport in Leeds, right? And you're smiling because you know what I'm going to say. I mean, doing politics and current affairs in Leeds, transport is the biggest issue always that has come up time and time again. And of course, the thing that we're regularly told is that Leeds is the largest city in Europe without a proper mass transport system. So there's that. But also at the same time, the city is fighting potential expansion to the airport. Yeah. And, you know, to me, it is absolutely crazy that, you know, after the pandemic, Right, we've got a very large airport 45 miles down the road at Manchester. Okay. After the pandemic, when you know, when when airport use has gone right down, <laughs> I can't even believe that we're having to no. have this argument about expanding an expansion on an airport that isn't economically going to work anyway, that we're having to have it. And also, still, you know, Leeds is the third largest city in the country. We don't even have a decent transport system yet. Sorry, my rant is over. No, yeah, no, well, (laughs) I mean, what's changed in West Yorkshire is you've got Tracy Brabin now. Who, of course, is the Metro Mayor. She's the new Metro Mayor. So she's not got quite the public profile of, say, Andy Burnham in Manchester or Steve Rotherham in, in Leeds. In Liverpool. Uh, sorry, Jersey Liverpool. Side, sorry, side. Liverpool. Yeah, um, Liverpool City it. region. You must not say he's Liverpool because uh, yeah, he's yeah. Liverpool City region. Being Liverpool mayor. But anyway, sorry. So slip of the tongue there. Uh, anyway, Tracy. <laughs> um, 
So, I mean, on the transport issue, I mean, one thing that uh, she did a couple of weeks ago, one of the problems we've had with COVID is people aren't willing to get on the bus. And, and uh, they had a little uh, a thing where they offered free bus travel on a Sunday. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I saw that, and, yeah. and so we could see a lot more of that. That would yeah. be a really good thing. And if she was prepared to put a sort of PR weight behind that, that might be interesting. Now, about the airport... She hasn't made a comment on the airport, though, has she? No, I, and she I... She needs I, to come off the fence I on must the admit, I, I think, personally, that the only... That's going to have to come down from the top to say that we can't have airport expansion because individual cities... Uh, they'll be saying, you know, the, the, the business community in West Yorkshire will be like, oh, we don't want to lose trade to Manchester and, and, and so on. But someone's got to come down from the top and say, well, I'm afraid the days of Well, maybe, you know, is... Boris Johnson opened his cop, right? Yes. He did open his cop. He likes to claim that Britain is world-beating in a number of different ways. Um, maybe this is one way that he can do it by stopping yeah, over airport expansion. We've run out of time. All right. Sorry, uh, no, we've run good. out of time. My that. little rant there about uh, the airport. Thank you so much. <laughs> for joining me maybe one day we will get a decent transport system in Leeds meanwhile uh, go to playstock.carbon and uh, find carbon out dot place. carbon dot place there we go <laughs> uh, and find out about that check out decarbonate.org.uk um, and um, maybe hopefully at the end of this we will see some decent proposals like transport Richard Walker thank you so much for joining me on the podcast thank you Peg Thanks so much for listening. I'm Peg Alexander at TV Radio Peg on social media. Tune in tomorrow. I'll be chatting to another great guest. You can also check out greeneconomicsinstitute.org.uk. Music.